from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. Wow. Uh, I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. That's me. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and our producer, Blake Jacobs. Once again, but the last Don't. time promised, sitting in for Tom Campbell. I mean, Blake, I don't mean the last time ever. I just mean in this block of time. I called it last week. I said he's never coming back. I think you buried him in the alleyway at WOW. I, I, I will believe it when I see it. But it, There but- is fresh cement out there. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We miss him very much. And, Tom, if you're listening, we want you back desperately. You know he won't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anybody, let's- he does anybody. Is anybody out there? <laughs> um, okay, let's start our countdown. Number 10 that made us go wow this week. What is it, James? Number 10. Uh, the Tina documentary on uh, HBO, Tina Turner. Did anyone watch it? I did. You did. Okay. I thought it was absolutely spectacular for a number of reasons. Um, you... There's so much footage that you've never seen of early Tina Turner. There's the whole first half of the documentary is her in the Ike and Tina Turner review. And it's the late fifties, early sixties, all that like really fantastic R and B music and the early rock and roll. And she, you can't take your eyes off her. She's so talented and so energetic. And she's just, she's telling the story of her life and it gets bogged down a lot with the Ike stuff, the abuse And that's sort of hard to watch, and it's very triggering. But then there's all these phases of her life. There's, like, that post-Ike phase in the 70s, the late 70s, when she was washed up, and she was doing any gig for 60 bucks. She was on the Brady Bunch Hour. She was on Hollywood Squares. She was performing at the Ramada Inn in Riverside. I mean, like, anything. And she's, like, sort of sleazy, 70s, you know, whore look. It's just... And then, and I'm going to let you talk. I just want to say, there's the stuff at the end where she's in her 80s and she's sitting in her mansion in Zurich and she's looking back on her life. And that's fascinating because she doesn't seem impressed by anything she did. Mm -hmm. She says she's never been happy. She says she's never had love. She says it was all just sort of a big waste of time. You get the feeling that she's sort of like that. None of it means anything to her. And this is her bowing out. And she says, this is the last time anyone's ever going to see me. This is my farewell to public life. And she's just going to fade away. Like she never happened at all. And it's just really riveting, riveting documentary TV. What do you think? Fenton? Love that mansion in uh, Switzerland. Oh my gosh, just that chair in that room. I mean, is that really her place? Like, like, just that sprawling yard that goes down to Lake Cuomo or whatever it is. Just it's like it's like literally like 10 footballs long, fields long. It's just I lived in Zurich, I just you'd never see me again, honey. In the day when Gabriel Rotella was doing Downtown Dukes and Divas, yeah, remember. Me and Randy and Tish and Snooky, we all performed Proud Mary. <laughs> you were a bunch of Proud Marys, I'll tell you that. And you know, I can't sing for shit. Um, but they gave me the lines, you don't have to worry if you have no money because the people on the river are happy to give. And somehow I, I got through it. 
and did all the dance, you know, the shimmying and a little do 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 do. So fabulous, like it's you know, not having really done drag much in my life, but like mm, I felt it. I felt that you felt the energy, the crackle. So unimpressed with it like i just love the yeah that was the thing i did it yeah yeah and she talks about how she was you know a middle-aged woman doing 200 stadium shows a year and the toll you know it takes down her physically and that she you know she's like yeah that's what i wanted and that's what i did and i did it and who gives a fuck like it's just (laughs) it's so interesting that she is the one person in the world who is not like captivated by tina turner (laughs) How about her rediscovery via Heaven 17? What was that? Well, Heaven 17 rediscovered her, and that's when she recorded uh, Private Dancer. And... Oh, wait, that, that, that Ray Davy, the Ray guy, that was the guy from Heaven 17? Yes. I had no idea. That's so funny because I'd just been listening to Let Me Go, which is my favorite 80s song of all time. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, Heaven 17, re- I basically. I mean that, but my understanding is they sort of re, literally found her, rediscovered her. Um, but they did more than private dancer, didn't they? They did. Um, well, well, I'll tell you something because what's love got to do with it is actually right, they showed. Sorry, actually, the lead. Yes, what's yes, love got to do with it? Sorry, but it was actually a Bucks Fizz song, and they were like a really tacky seventies. Oh. Early, late fizz. It's making your mind up time. <laughs> Bucks Fizz. They were the steps of the 80s, right? Yeah. They that... were what, what went from disco into new wave, basically. Um, in, uh, I'm a Barbie doll. Um, I'm a Barbie doll. Da, 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 da. All the Venga Boys. Bucks Fizz were the Venga Boys. Of... Yes. yes. <laughs> um, well, I think you're mixing up two songs, the Venga Boys and then Barbie Girl was Aqua. Right. Oh, well, right. Aqua, same sort of thing. Barbie Girl, Venga Boys. Were, it's all very Bucks Fizz. <laughs> so very one Bucks interesting Fizz. thing, just very quickly, is the, with her mother. And her mother is such a hateful villainess to abandon her as a child. And then the minute she became famous again in the A's was right back there with dressed in the jewels and the furs and everything that Tina said, she doesn't like me. She's never liked me, but she's happy to take my money and she's happy to take my, the house that I gave her and everything like that. And then there's an interview with the mother and they ask her something about her childhood. And she just has no clue. What's it? She's just like, eh, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I don't give a fuck. It's just, that's all fascinating too. And you sort of get the feeling that's where her, her sort of not, uh, eh. yeah. But, yeah. I, I just have to say generally, I mean, I think Tina is an amazing masterpiece and HBO docs generally, they have all the hot dogs, you know. They're the really on a roll right now, aren't they? You know, they are totally on fire. Love it. All right, so stream Tina on HBO Max. Number nine. Number nine. I know we think we've had it bad in 2020 with the pandemic and such, but uh, when do you think the worst year to be alive was? 1349 during the Black Plague. Uh-huh. Or... Maybe like during um, the depression, one of the depressions, or anytime, any time before cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, was that year. <laughs> it was that awful year of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season seven. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought maybe one of you would say nineteen eighteen because you know the pandemic, oh, right? Well, yeah. But anyway, it's none of those. It is five thirty six. 
536 AD, a mysterious fog plunged Europe, the Middle East, and most of Asia into darkness, day and night, for 18 months. It was, in fact, the coldest decade in the past 2,300 years. Snow fell in the summer. Crops failed. People died. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, in 536, well, what I'll tell you what happened in 5 You're saying... I know you're saying what happened in 536. Well, I, I was going to say there was probably a volcano somewhere that spewed the, the ash into the... the, the, the Absolutely yeah. right, James. Yes. Spewed sulfur, bismuth, and other substances high into the atmosphere, forming an aerosol veil that reflected the sun's light back into space. And this was an eruption in Iceland. Huge. Oh. And, then in, and then in 540, there was another one. And in 547, there was another one. So it was just... One after the other, one after the other. And it brings on like another ice age, doesn't it? Is that how long did this last? And as if that wasn't enough, in 541, the Black Plague strikes. And it was known as the Plague of Justinian. Wiped out one third to one half of the population of the uh, Eastern Roman Empire. So so we think we've had it bad, but... You know, interestingly, I was reading a book about Krakatoa, the the volcano Hmm. that happened in 1875 or whatever like that. And they were saying that it was so loud that it sent 23 sonic booms around the earth. And that if it happened in New York, you could hear it in Los Angeles and Italy and Rome. Like that's like that's how loud the, 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 the boom of. So I'm thinking like when these volcanoes really go off, we really got to be worried. You know, yeah, isn't there that's one a, right now in um in Iceland that's about to go off again? There is, and that's why I stumbled upon this because the one that created five thirty six, the worst year in history of humanity, was in Iceland, and it's so, going to happen again very soon. And then we're all going to be plunged into another ice age, right? And then we'll have a dose of Black Death or uh, those um oh, there's an Ebola. A whole bunch of people are being uh, isolated. I think uh don't want to get this wrong, but it's up uh, up in Portland, I think, or in Oregon. Really? A lot of people are isolated for fear of Ebola, that they is, got infected with Ebola. Is it just me, or has there been, like, a lot of Ebola outbreaks in the past 10 years? Well, yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot going on in Portland, because that's where the murder hornets are. I think that's, like, the, where the hell mouth is, and that's <laughs> where, you know, <laughs> Satan is going to rise. But do you think that if that happened now, that we would have the technology to weather through uh, it, like to, it, you know, the sky is going gray, and the. I mean, the how can game. you fix that though? Like big fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I mean that that you know what killed okay, Doctor Evil? <laughs> A giant cloud, like the one created by the uh, asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs. That you know, there was a great die-off. But there's been these massive die-offs. You know, well, maybe we're due um, for another one. All right. Okay. Well, on that cheery note, let's move on. We posted a link to that on the WOW report so you can investigate further. Oh, and by the way, I will just add that the reason they know all this, you know, it used to be that you'd look at the rings of a tree, but now, the, well, not now, but for some time, it's they drill down into the ice and then they can microanalyze the ice. And by looking at the snowfall, almost within a few days, they can see bits of, you know, volcanic ash or what have you. So it's pretty... Pretty interesting. Huh. All right. uh, What have we got at number eight? Number eight. Well, at number eight, um, have you guys seen Bad Trip on Netflix? Oh, you told me to watch it and I didn't watch it. What? (laughs) Tell tell me about it. Okay. So it was originally supposed to come out in April of last year. 
um, but it was postponed to COVID-19. And then it actually had a leak on Amazon Prime. I don't know how this happened, but it was up for a little while and long enough for it to be pirated. But anyway, Netflix has bought it and it was released on uh, March 26th. And this is one of those movies in the same vein as like Jackass, where it's like all pranks. Oh, right. Or like Borat. Yeah. Or like Borat, more like Borat, I guess, because no one really gets hurt during the pranks. Right. But um, it stars uh, Eric Andre. I love um, Eric Andre. Oh, he's so handsome. Yeah. Lil Ray Howery. <clears throat> and though he is from Get Out. He was like the comedic relief in Get Out. Oh, the best friend? Yeah. Okay. And they are two goofballs who... Well, first of all, in the opening scene of the movie, Eric Andre is working at one of those car washes where you drop your car off, you know, and one of the pranks, he's talking to this guy, you know, where are you from? And he has the vacuum cleaner and he sucks his entire outfit off. So he's standing there butt naked and the guy's like, he gets he gets in the back seat of the guy's BMW because his girlfriend from high school or this girl who he's always had the hots for pulls up and so he's standing there naked and he gets in the the back seat of the guy's bmw and the guy's all trying to like get the girl's number for eric andre who's in the naked and it's hilarious it also has tiffany hadish in it oh i love tiffany yeah she plays like a criminal sister of lil ray uh lil ray howery and the guy's so the girlfriend actually lives in New York and runs a gallery. The one that Eric Andre uh, has the hots for. So Lil Ray and Eric Andre steal Tiffany Hadish's car. That's this pink, like Caprice 1988. It says bad bitch on the back. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, steal her car and f- go from Florida to New York to see the girlfriend Tiffany Hadish follows them. There's pranks that happen along the way. In one part, they Eric Andre and Lil Ray get their dicks stuck in a Chinese <laughs> finger trap. <laughs> and they're trying to get them out. And they run into this barber shop. And the guy comes out with a knife. And it's actually come out now that like Eric Andre had to talk Lil Ray back into filming after they got the knife pulled on him. So um, it was really funny. I would recommend it. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's like an hour and 20 minutes, so that's the perfect amount that's of movie too. for me. Yeah. Because everything now seems to be two hours, three hours, four hours. Totally. Um, Bad Trip streaming now on Netflix. Okay, going to take a break. Um, just before we do, the very first teaser for Drag Race España has been released, and you can see it now on Wow Presents Plus, and of course on our Wow Presents channel, uh, YouTube worldwide, excluding Spain. But... um. Yeah, it's coming soon. Um, I'm excited. Reveal date, the official premiere date, not yet revealed, but but I, uh, yeah, new versions of Drag Race, is Drag Race Down Under, Drag Race España, both coming very very soon. So uh, let's take a break, Blake. If you've got a question, I do. Yesterday was April Fool's Day. What country do most historians believe that the April Fool's customs began in? Oh, well, that's a really good question. And we'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. 
You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James, St. James, and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. James, your glasses are a bit squiffy. I know. <laughs> What's going on? I was look, wrong. The kids are wearing their glasses upside I'll down. Upside down. Really, I can do that. For me, it doesn't work because he's a bifocal. So, yeah, it's a look. look. It is a look. There we go. Um, uh, hey, Blake, what, yeah, what was the question? Okay, so yesterday was April Fool's Day. In what country do most historians believe that the April Fool's customs began? I'm going to say Great Britain. I was going to say like Ireland. It sounds like an Irish thing to me. You're both close. It started in France. Oh. And well, the French have a sense of humor. Well, the reason is it may stem from a calendar change in 16th century France, moving New Year's Day from April 1st to January 1st. And that, people- was a, that was a... Um, a- what was his name? The the emperor from Rome who did that, right? When mm-hmm. a Roman emperor was it the Augustus Augustan calendar? Yeah, Gregorian, Gregorian, Gregorian. Gregorian. Um, <clears throat> people who continued to celebrate New Year's Day on April first rather than the new were day considered fools, right? And people mm-hmm. played tricks on them. That's funny because you're such an idiot. You we get to yeah. <laughs> Do you have any great April Fools' experiences? I told my mom one time that I accidentally clicked on eBay and bought a whole ass Jeep. <laughs> she was pissed. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I did. I took my young nephew, Oliver, to, I was in London, to the Elton John sale. Do you remember in the 80s, he sold everything? Yeah. And, and on the way home, we bought some like cheap plastic glasses with star shapes that were like, you know, two bucks. And I came into the house and I said to my sister, oh. Oliver put his hand up in the auction and we paid 500000 for this Paris <laughs> She completely free. I felt so bad. I mean, I had a heart attack. I was like, she literally fell to the floor. <laughs> I was going to go down to uh, Hollywood Toys and Costumes and buy one of those fake lottery tickets and give it to my dad but my mom advised against it because he she was worried he'd have a heart attack <laughs> so uh april fool's day will always be special to me because elliot my youngest who's six came home from hospital on that day really oh, yeah. Nice. yeah so that was the best the best april fools all right uh we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow and we have reached number seven james number seven Number seven, I did an Invisible Man marathon over the weekend. I started with the with the 2020 Elizabeth Moss, uh, Elizabeth Invisible Man, which was just awful. Dear God in heaven. No, no. It started off with such great premise, and it was started off so beautifully. The cinematography, everything about it is so beautiful and fabulous, and you think it's going to be a really great movie, and then it just descends into chaos. And there's this whole fourth act that doesn't need to be there. And if they had just stuck with the premise that she was paranoid and delusional and losing her mind, and everyone thought that she was crazy, then it would have worked. But there's this whole thing with the brother and... he. It's just, it's just, and then she has this invisible suit and she doesn't wear it until the, la- the last five minutes of the movie. Like she doesn't wear it to oh, escape. Spoiler alert. Oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's been a year. But anyway, so then 
I but would... I thought like most people loved that, didn't they? Well, Denton, you you were nodding your head in vigorously. I loved this. I loved Did it. You? I loved, uh, I loved the suit. I loved all the cameras and the winking cameras and the little sound yeah. effect. And I just love the restaurant scene. I mean, oh yeah. there God. is one scene that is a genuine shocker, and I'm not going to spoil that. But that, but there is there is a couple of what the fuck moments that happen. But okay. I just thought I thought the last third could have just needed some edits. Um, but then I went back and watched the 1933 original Invisible Man made by Universal when they were doing the Wolfman and Frankenstein and Dracula. And this is based on the H.G. Wells novel. And it stars Claude Rains, who is a madman and just who's a mad scientist who discovers the formula. And then he goes on this murder spree and it's really done very well. It also stars Gloria Stewart, who is the old lady in Titanic when she was in her, and she's in her twenties here and just so beautiful. And he has this weird maniacal laugh that you realize is where the Joker comes from. That like, it's that Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that it's, it, it's really, it's spine chill. I mean, it like literally gives you chills to hear it. It's so good. Then, I went and downloaded um, The Return of the Invisible Man with Vincent Price, that, which is okay. And then I did The Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon, which is which is which holds up, and that's really good. And then, do you remember Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah <laughs> in the early 90s? And it was terrible. Oh, I thought you were going to say this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's based on a book called The Memoirs of an Invisible Man by a man named... H.F. Saint. And I remember I read it in the late 80s. And that's really, really, really a good book. And if you ever want to start with Invisible Man, that's where you start because the whole idea that you can't eat, you have to wait eight hours for it to digest. You can't be in mist or rain or snow or anything. And uh, you have to be naked the entire time, even during the winter. Like all those things, like you think that you're invisible and you can get away with it. But the fact is, is he nothing he does, he can get away with because you, it really isn't as cool as you think it's going to be. It's really fantastic. So I just wanted to, I just put it out there that maybe everyone should do an Invisible Man marathon over the weekend in comparison. I wonder what sort of psychic thing drew you to that. Like, why now <laughs> did you feel the call of the Invisible Man? <laughs> because, um, in uh, streaming. No, I just I want psychologically speaking, well, I, 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 I want to be invisible. I'm I want to be like Tina Turner and just fade away from view. No, but also the Invisible Man, the the remake that you just love so much, kind of was the one of the last films in a theater before the, before the audience became invisible. You know, before, oh, there you go, there you go. Yeah, um, uh, an yeah. overreach, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So Invisible Man, one, two, three, four, five. Hollow Man, Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah. There you go. <laughs> All right, number six. Number six. Uh, yeah, number six. Um, I read this article in Popular Mechanics, which is not a magazine I normally read, but I was, I was reading. Say, I didn't realize you had a subscription. <laughs> and basically, the question is: Could future humans evolve to have venom glands? And the whole premise of this article is that. Well, there's a new study has been done by scientists from the Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology Graduate University and the Australian National University have joined forces, did this study, and they've discovered that saliva glands actually became venom glands in many animals. 
And so they wonder if evolutionary-wise speaking, the same thing could happen to humans, that we well, could, you know, become venomous. Aren't there, like, studies about, like, what's in saliva and that it really has, like, all sorts of powerful, like, agents in it that we don't even realize how... Well, that's the reason that one woman used to lick people's eyeballs, remember? Oh, right. She, she <laughs> cured them. She cured their... What was it? I don't remember, but... That's right, that... and I've heard that if you... If you get bitten by a human, it's like you'd be more infectious than if yeah. you're bitten by a dog. Yeah, yeah, huh? And so, what was the what was the up, uh, outcome of this? Is are we going to all have fangs and, and we can go around biting people and um, killing them? Okay. Uh, I think uh, I, my fanciful mind. I wondered if the sort of toxicity of social media was a prefiguration or an antecedent of this, or was going to prove to be an evolutionary trigger. That, you know, everybody's just getting so toxic and angry if this is a sort of the warm-up act to our saliva glands becoming venom glands. Well, I was just wondering if maybe after the volcano puts us into another ice age, we're all going to have to be zombies and go around biting and eating each other to, to stay alive. There you go, exactly. And it sort of it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Because um, the idea of... Um, Oh, what are they called? Vampires. I mean, they have that sort of psychic oh, sort of right. You know, yeah, right. And so, maybe and zombies, like... vampires, and zombies. And I always thought that Twenty Eight Days Later was actually the best zombie movie ever, mm, ever, ever yeah. made. Because yeah. the, the premise is it's it's a, an infection of rage that breaks out. Remember that they were like experimenting yeah. in the lab and this virus that just made people insane. And that was the beginning of the fast zombies, which is just terrifying. Yes. Oh, God. I mean, I do sometimes think the level of toxicity of social media is just bizarrely high. It's like, and where is it leading to? What, 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 well, you know, have we always been this toxic and angry and we just weren't seeing it? Or are we angrier in 2021 than we were in, in 2011? I think um, we've always been this angry, but there hasn't been a way for people to be toxic on social media and other people to see it. Maybe we weren't elevating toxicity the way we do, the way we sort of like fantasize about how it makes you more famous to be the more toxic you are, the more fabulous you become. Thank you, Brittany. <laughs> was it like the movie Network where the guy throws open the window and says, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore? Yes. That's social media, I suppose, is that what was domain of network executives has now become everybody's well but network was actually very prescient itself remember about how it sort of forced foreshadowed um the rise of reality television in the way that uh the the networks are you know in control and they control the media and the you know the the narrative anyway i will post the link or blake will post the link to the study uh for scientists who want to dig deeper into this but yes watch out because humans are going to become even more toxic than we already are all right let's go on to number five number five number five um i figured we'd just do a few little hot topics um have you guys heard the story about how rachel bilson from the show the oc yeah used to go to the same school and run in the same crowd as Rami Malek. I did see this, yes. Now, that was crazy, but she actually posted a throwback picture that she found somewhere of them in high school to her social media. 
and she's look, it's adorable. She's absolutely, you know, Rachel Bilson is so cute anyway. And he's he's adorable as is a little, you know, high schooler, but he's wearing this gold chain that's sort of douchey. And he got upset with it and had his people contact her. Well, yeah, she said he DM'd her and well, first she her people contacted her. like, hey, how how are you and everything? But it was like, yeah, can you please take that down? And she was sort of sad because it, she was like, you, he takes himself too. Why is he taking himself so seriously? It's just a silly picture. You know? Yeah. And, and he, he, you know, he's an Oscar winner now. And he thought that this would, you know, ruin his image. And it's just all, it's very silly. It's yes. Anyway. She, yeah, she said they were super close, closer than I would think. She said we were in the same crew. We did the Crucible together senior year. We were the leads in it together. Like all these things, we kind of kept in contact a little bit. He he's always been super talented, a really amazing actor, even in high school. So, well, I, I team Rachel, team to, team Rachel all the way here. Totally. And that's about toxic rage, right? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of toxic, have you guys been following the Britney news? No. Britney uh, responded to oh. the uh, framing do- Britney Spears. <laughs> documentary with uh is framing britney which was yeah. triggering me because i just mentioned that documentary makes me mad as hell and furious and just filled with rage and venom just spitting poison. i think you're just i think you're just spitting that you didn't get to do it i think that's what it is i think you, no matter who did it you were going to be mad. i am perfectly capable of owning up to professional jealousy <laughs> well uh she finally responded on Instagram with a pic- a video of her dancing to Aerosmith's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but she said basically that it, she was really, it made her really sad. And what does she say? Uh, well, she also said that she didn't watch the whole thing. She only watched a few minutes, which is like good for her girl. Cause that shit is not worth watching. She said, I didn't watch the documentary, but from what I did see of it, I was embarrassed by the lot they put me in. I cried for two weeks, and, well, I still cry sometimes. Poor Brittany. I mean, will she ever find happiness, or is she just Will we see her in Zurich when she's 80 years old looking back on it all saying, I don't give a fuck. I was never happy. As long as it's not Kentwood, Louisiana. Oh, she'll have her mansion in Kentwood. Oh. <laughs> I like the idea of Zurich. That's a good idea. I mean, at least with Tina, we feel, right, completion. She may not... And she seems happy. Tina seems happy, right, James? Is she happy or at least just content? Or... I think she, I th- she finally found love, which was what, the thing that she was looking for her whole life. And she found it in a man that, you know, has stood by her. And I think they are really happy together. And I think she is very happy just swanning around that mansion in fabulous, uh, you know, Armani outfits. And I wish the very same happiness for Britney, too. Yes. Yeah. There was also uh, Sharon Stone was on the Kelly Clarkson show and said that Britney had written her letter in 2007 asking for help or something. And Sharon Stone wasn't really in a place herself to help. So Sharon Stone was also in the news when she... um, uh, spoke out. Oh God, what was it? She just said that. Um, oh, cancel culture. She said it's just the stupidest thing ever. And and don't can't why cancel somebody for their opinions? And she it was sort of like taking the wrong. 
She said mm-hmm. the wrong thing at the wrong time. Are, you, giving, he, are you canceling Sharon Stone? <laughs> canceling well, that's Sharon what I said. I said, you know, let's cancel her for even suggesting we can't cancel her. You know why she's in the news is because she's got a biography out, which seems like lots of talking points are coming out of it, like um, what she had to do in Fatal Attraction, right? And uh, the whole on set. Basic management. instinct. Basic instinct, yeah. Thank you. Basic instinct. That was going close. Gosh. Well, but there, and she was, yeah, she talks a lot about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of, of many male directors and how she, you know, she couldn't get work for a long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has their. James, maybe you'll do it next week, right? Maybe. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. I have a a lot of Audible credits, so. All right, let's take a break. Um, I just got to tell you the official RuPaul's Drag Race UK tour, and that stars the cast of UK Series 2. Tickets have gone on sale now. Um, They've already sold out, but the good news is they've been extended and there's more dates uh, every day. So um, you go to vossevents.com, right, Blake? Is that where you go? Yes. We'll post a link on the WOW report. Um, So let's take a break. Blake, do you have a question? I do. So this person's stories, The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, and The Snow Queen have all been made into animated Disney films. And today is his birthday. Who is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you sound like you know the answer to that of one. Of course, Jane. of course, darling. The big reveal after the break. You listen to the report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James. And our producer, Blake Jacobs, sitting in for Tom Campbell, who's hopefully listening at home. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was the question? So this guy's stories, The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, and The Snow Queen have all been made into animated Disney films. And today is his birthday. Who is it? Well, Hans Christian Anderson, right? That's right. Well, there you go. Happy yeah. birthday, Hans Christian Anderson. And he how many years old is he today? Like 3,000. <laughs> but, you know, the original, um, if you've ever read the original uh, Little Mermaid, it is a dark, bleak story where she, um, you know, she trades her uh, voice. Where, every time she, her legs, when she gets the real legs, um, human legs, every time she has makes a step, it feels like there are nails going into her, her feet and they're bloody. And when she he dances with her at the ball, her feet are just bleeding and she's just in agony. And then in the end, she goes, she's depressed and she goes and turns into sea foam and dies. Yeah, it's very, very, very different than the movie. <laughs> right. Well, I a picnic, right? I mean, even the Hansel and Gretel one, that's Hans Christian Anderson, uh, right? Uh, I don't know about that one, but I do know The Princess and the Pea is him. And that was like one of the first plays I ever went to see in, in, in uh, elementary school. And I, I never even knew he did all these other. I always knew him from The Princess and the Pea. I have a really great book um, that is when I say to you, what's your favorite fairy tale? What's the one that comes to mind immediately? Like Jack and the Beanstalk, Cinderella, uh, anything like that. Fenton, what's the one that comes to your mind? It's Hansel and Gretel. It's something about that gingerbread cottage. Well, you know, and and then it gives psychologically, it's the idea is, is that fairy tales were um, made for children during rough periods of, of their life and during rough periods in history. And it gave them the tools in which to overcome whatever obstacles they were facing. And that, um, uh, Hansel and Gretel, I'm a Hansel and Gretel too. And my Hansel and Gretel thing is that I was adopted 
and that I feel like my parents cast me out into the forest, and then I'm always looking for mother figures like mm-hmm. uh, like the witch. And uh, also the thing about you said the the gingerbread house that's in um uh an uh an edit, um, what's oral the, fixation oral fixation where you're always trying to shove things into your mouth because you weren't satisfactorily you know uh, breastfed as a child. Well, well I don't know about the breastfeeding as a child, but the first part, yes, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, Blake, what is yours? Well, the first one I thought of was Jack and the Beanstalk. Does that mean I want a big stalk? Well, that, that is a phallus. That that's totally <laughs> you have you have small dick fears, or you, you're chasing after big dicks, or your daddy's <laughs> dick, or something. Size queen. <laughs> yeah. So, also, there, there's something there about um trying to please your mother. And uh, with with the beans and everything, and okay. fear of failure and all of that. Back there in. we go. Yeah. All right, we're still counting down the top ten things from this week that made us go wow, and we have reached number four. Number four. Oh, <laughs> number four. On this day in soap opera history, 1980, 41 years ago today, on Ryan's Hope, uh, it happened this week. Was that Delia was um. Uh, there was a uh, uh, would go to the zoo every day and talk to this gorilla named Prince Albert. And it was this man in a gorilla suit. And it was so bad, but the gorilla fell in love with Delia, and Delia was like an Erica Kane. She was like a villainess. She was like a ditzy villainess. And um, the gorilla fell in love and escaped from the 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 um the zoo after boys were like throwing beans at him and throwing like darts at him and stuff. And he escaped from the zoo and went on a rampage and kidnapped Delia and carried her to the top of Belvedere Castle in um in Central Park. You know the castle I'm talking about, Fenton. Yes. And yes. so he car- yes, he carries her to the top and they they throw you know, tranquilizer darts at him and he throws her off the tower. And then when she falls to the ground, she bumps her head and she gets psychic powers. And it sounds the 80s soap operas, you know, like there was, you know, uh villains like trying to take over the world with weather machines. Like this soap operas in this 80s were really silly and crazy. And this sounds really silly, and people still laugh at the story of this man in a gorilla suit. But the woman who played Delia, Randall Edwards was her name, and she sold the hell out of the story. And she was so good. Every day when she would go and talk to the gorilla, she would feed him banana bread through the through the, <laughs> through the, the bars, and she would cry to him about his life. And you saw the gorilla slowly falling in love with her. And then the gorilla is stalking her, and you see the gorilla hiding in bushes, and he's like looking through windows at her. And the whole story is so crazy, but it was so good. And I have it on the WoW Report. I have a, like about 10 episodes of it up on the WoW Report. And I suggest everyone watch it. Can I ask a question? How did the gorilla get out of the jail? I mean, not the jail, the zoo. Well, like I said, there were these little kids that would come every day and throw things at him and, and make fun of him. And finally, one day he got, he was just furious. He was like, ah, 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 and he was like banging at the, 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 or the, the, the bars, the bars. And he ripped the bars off and the whole thing fell apart. And he ran off and, and managed to escape into the central park. There's, there's an amazing part of Bad Trip that I talked about earlier with where Eric and Andre goes into a gorilla and cap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he gets uh, sodomized by the gorilla, which is actually just a man in a gorilla suit. Like you were talking about, so. See, it, uh, we always find a way to tie these things together. <laughs> Well, try this then. Okay, we'll um, 
We'll post that on the WowPod. Try this. Number three, Kentucky Fried Chicken Log. Number three. Um, so, you know, like when you order things for Christmas and in the days of the internet now, you order things and they never come. But right. like two months after Christmas, you get a package and you're like, what? <laughs> With like, and you open it up and ta-da. So I got a late Christmas present. Here we are, uh, April Fool's pretty much. And it's... um. It's a Kentucky Fried Chicken Log. It is a, uh, you unwrap it, I unwrapped it, and it's one of those fire logs, you know, that you put yeah. on the fire. It's a, a fried chicken scented fire log. Wow. And apparently, who knew? They've been doing this for three years, every holidays. They sell out. Uh, you could get them at Walmart, and they've partnered with Envirolog, who, are, who sort of take wax paper and, press it into logs that help start your fire and supposedly envirolog because they're like less emissions than regular logs yeah and um but uh, this this thing stinks i mean it it sort of does smell of fried chicken um it it was really cold last week it was like in the 40s so you you didn't have it last week so i only got it this week so okay i'm gonna have to to, but the, the, uh, it says they have to print on the outside, do not eat. Uh, <laughs> not actually fried chicken. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, they do a lot of wacky things they, to promote their stuff. They had um, the chicken scented, uh, they had chicken scented nail polish for a mm. while. I remember that. And they did the, um, the, uh, Harlequin romance novel with the with the colonel. Remember, he was like a shirtless Fabio uh-huh. stud. Was the nail polish? Now that I'm thinking about it, wasn't that an April Fool's Day thing a few no, years ago? It it's edible nail polish released only in Hong Kong, uh, um, and then they followed that with uh, chicken scented sunscreen. <laughs> and last, in 2019, they did a faux bearskin rug. That resembles Colonel Sanders. Uh, <laughs> the picture online. It's it's pretty grotesque to tell you the truth. I mean, they're getting all these plaudits. I mean, I guess like Burger King the other week with the moldy ad, the moldy burger. Right, right. I, I would like in the, the the room, the 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 war room where they're discussing like what how they're going to you know advertise this year because that must be a fun job coming it up must with be a fun job. But it didn't, it, I don't know if you know, it's all tied into the fact that in 2015, they brought back Colonel Sanders because he had been oh. dropped as the mascot. And so this is all Colonel Sanders. And, and an interesting, they call it their recolonization program, which is a little, I think, a little unfortunate. At least. But if you, you remember, they kept switching them. colonels every couple of months. There'd be a new colonel, and it was so confusing and upsetting. And right, like but, one week it would be Rob Lowe, and the next week it would be like you know uh, Ed Bagley Jr. And the best like, one is Reba, though. Yes, Reba was Colonel. And I just found it disturbing and upsetting, and I thought that whole thing was just terrible. I was very upset with that. And then they have Mario Lopez in the original Lifetime movie as the Colonel. Yes. And then your Crocs. Yes. But the weird thing is, I mean, nothing's going to persuade me to go and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sorry. It just, I I love the mud, but I'm not going to eat the food. I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. We used to go for lunch. I, they have that new sandwich that looks delicious, doesn't it? Remember they had that one sandwich that 
was just two things of chicken. Oh, God. The buns were chicken breasts. Yeah. And then there was a chicken breast. And so you were eating like three chicken breasts. And your fingers, I remember we ate it. We did it for the wow report. And my, your fingers are just greasy for like the whole day. Oh, That's it's like terrible. a wig on a wig, right? <laughs> All right. So that's that. Um, let's move on to number two, James. Number two. Oh, that's me again. Um, I read a book in this um, uh, goes back to something else we were just talking about. I can't remember. Um, uh, called A Fatal Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And it's um, by uh, Emma Southern. And it's about murder in ancient Rome. And it's a story telling this, the history of Rome through the various political murders that happened over its 2000 year period from ancient, ancient times until like, you know, 1000. And it starts off, you know, Rome was founded by twins, Remus and uh, Romulus. um, And they were left abandoned by the side of the road by their parents and suckled by a she wolf to survive. And then later that when they came back as, um, uh, uh, conquering generals they founded the city of rome on the spot where the where they, they were suckled by the she-wolf and then later they um as they built rome uh they got into an argument over who had more power and romulus killed remus and that's why it's named rome after romulus and uh then um so they tell that story and so they say that basically rome was just founded on murder and that the whole history of rome is just murder 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 and you go to like julius caesar which is the most famous murder in all of history and when he's murdered on the steps of the senate by the all the senators and stabbed in the back and etu brutai and that was the biggest um uh uh funeral in the history of mankind bigger than queen victoria's and bigger than abraham lincoln's where like one third of the world showed up for his funeral and that's when Mark Anthony gave his friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear speech. Um, but then it goes back to like um, 200 years before when Tiberius was murdered by all of his senators. And he, he was beaten to death by clubs and sticks and stones. And so they're saying that basically you think that Julius Caesar was this weird thing, but there was 200 years where they were just murdering, you know, uh, all politicians were getting murdered by everybody. And then there's all the fun, th- the fun, it's this light breezy book. It's really, really beautifully written and really fun to read, even though it's about murder. But, you know, like they would tie you in a sack with a bunch of venomous snakes, you know, and you, you'd have to get out or they'd throw the sack in the, you know, the river. Or then they had that giant um, iron bowl that they, they'd put you inside the giant iron bowl and then light a fire underneath it and you would slowly fry in it. And then, like, just some of the ways they came up with killing you is just crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's just a very fun, breezy book about murder in the ancient world. Fabulous. That's Murder at the Forum, available on the Amazon. Yes. Um, hey, next Thursday, it's the season finale of the T.S. Madison Experience on WeTV, 10 p.m. You can watch past episodes on the WeTV app. This is a really amazing series. Um, we've had T.S. Madison on here before and I hope we will again and I can't wait for season two Um, so when we come back we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow and I meant to say this at the beginning of the show I am so excited about this week's number one (laughs) normally it's like (laughs) but all right, this is the Wow Report on Radio Andy Sirius XM you're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report things that make us go wow and welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James, St. James, and Blake. And we've reached the number one thing 
this week that made us go wow. And I think it's not just the wow of the week. I think it's the wow of the year. I think the wow of the decade, maybe even the wow of the century, or maybe my entire life. Well, I take it away then, Fenton. You get to you get to lead this one and tell us what's going on. Number one. It's Montero. Is Lil Nas X video for his new single, which James St. James wrote up on the Wow Report, talking about bottoming for Satan. Yes. Bottoming for Satan. He rides the stripper pole to hell and then bottoms for Satan. And the Republicans have gone bananas. Canceling, canceling. Yes, yes. Cancel Lil Nas X. How dare he? You know, Satanism in in pop music. What's going to happen next? And not only how dare he, but how brilliantly he has clapped back. Not only clapped back, the way he positioned it in the first place. He tweeted out, you know, as a teenager, my teenage years, I hated myself because of all the shit you preached would happen to me because I was gay. I hope you are mad. Stay mad and feel the same anger you taught us to have towards ourselves it's it's such a brilliant fuck you because here's the thing christians use christ to preach hatred which is not what christ was ever about so why not flip the switch turn the tables and use satan to promote love it is a brilliant sleight of hand well, first of all, I mean, Lil Nas X, he, 21 years. How old is he? He is he's young Very and young. so brilliant and so brilliant at trolling the trolls. You know, it's he's he's so good at it. But when you think about it, like all these, you know, Christians and evangelicals and the right wingers and the pundits on Fox and everything going bananas about this. The devil has been a part of pop culture for as long as, you know, he's in cartoons. He's in, you know, I mean, every cartoon has a Satan, you know, has has a devil. There's he's been in movies and and in songs and the devil made. I mean, like, why now? Why in 2021 is all of a sudden having a devil in your, you know, in your pop music video considered such an outrage? It's because these Christians aren't really interested in love and equality and Christian values. They want to control the narrative and they want to have the power and they don't like it when you use their icons in some way other than what they consider you know, the devil is for burning the ass of faggots in hell for all time. That's what they want. <laughs> and they get very cross when he gives a lap to us to say that. <laughs> good. I, I read an article actually in Time magazine where some academics unpack some of the religious symbolism. And it, it's really interesting because um, Roland Bettencourt, who's a professor at University of California, he says, this is a really well-researched really scholastic music video. And and just one example, the song's cover art, it's kind of a redo of Michelangelo, God creating Adam, you know, in the Sistine Chapel. But it's Lil Nas X sort of connecting with Lil Nas X. And in the Garden of Eden, um, there's this great moment after the snake appears, which is Lil Nas X, um, the, the camera pans to, I just want to find it. The camera pans to a tree, the tree of knowledge. And on the tree of knowledge is a Greek phrase that translates to after the division of the two parts of man, each desiring his other half, which comes from Plato's symposium, which is the story of mankind in which humans were originally two bodies stuck together. That man, you know, some man and man, some woman and woman and some man and woman. And that after this moment, 
they were split apart. Zeus got pissed off because everyone was having such a good time. And so the sort of story that this tells is really, and even the little detail where, you know, he's uh, in this, there's three acts. In the second act, he's brought into the Colosseum in a giant wig, kind of like a Christian stoning thing. He's going up to heaven. And instead of St. Peter meeting him at the pearly gates, it's Ganymede. And the thing about Ganymede was he was this youth who was so beautiful that Zeus turned him into a eagle so he would go to heaven. Oh, interesting. And then okay. before, before he can get there, he goes down this long strip of pole, and that's how he ends up <laughs> in the lap of the devil. Getting Where, by, by quote in Latin, which translates as, they condemn what they do not understand, well, which is go. basically... Well, that's that's Christians hate whatever's counter to the idea of white heterosexual male sensibility. But that's that's the phrase that Christ says on the cross. Yeah, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. do. Yeah. So fuck me. Not only is it an amazing music video, it is a an intellectual treatise repositioning the whole debate of or, or rebutting the whole idea of institutionalized hatred of 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 gayness. I mean, wow. It's wow. amazing. And I will say, after all that smart stuff you just said, Fenton, he also has said that um, the storyboard of him chained up in the Coliseum came from a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> so we go from high to low in the same video. I love right. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. James, do you love it? <laughs> I do. I do. I love him. I think he's just so fantastic and so fun and just such a breath of fresh air. I, everything he does is just just wonderful. I think he's the best we got. Definitely. Definitely. Finally, someone who can clap back at these awful people. And I love that, you know, I mean, that he's so young and that we, we theoretically we have like 30 years of little Nas X to look forward to. Yeah, of him. Well, and I. I'm I'm just glad because I was kind of convinced he was going to be a one hit wonder. I after you, you worry after Old Town Road that whenever something is that big, like how do you top it? Like yeah, well, he's it, topped it. Yeah. By <laughs> Clayton. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, because I, I worried about Rihanna after Umbrella. I thought she could never top that and that she would go away. But so hopefully, oh, Lord. it's a new uh, era. Well, that's all we got time for this week. Hey, Blake, have we got anything to plug? RuPaul's Drag Race season 13 is still airing, right? Dear yeah. God in heaven, how many episodes did you make? <laughs> it's been going on since 2018. We are approaching the finale, so this is not the time. I thought there were still 14 people left last time I checked. <laughs> um, That's so Friday nights. Friday nights. Tonight. Um all right, that's all we got time for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.